We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'm going to talk about Romans 13 again. The Apostle Paul's epistle, his letter to the Church of Rome, where he tells us that we are obligated to respect those in authority over us, the governing officials. As you know, this verse is being used time and time again by those who say, the government says you're supposed to get a vaccine, so you better get a vaccine. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's show. You know, we've talked about this before. It's been going on for over a year now, where the church, the Christian community, is responding to the COVID mandates, such as mandates for masking and social distancing and quarantine, and now it's the vaccinations. That the government is telling you you should do this, and there's nothing in the Bible that says thou shalt not wear a mask, or thou shalt not social distance, or thou shalt not get a vaccine. Therefore, as a Christian, you're obligated to do what the government is telling you to do. In fact, the verse Romans 13.1 is used time and time again by many Christians, quite frankly, in my opinion, to browbeat us, to bludgeon us into submission because how dare you question the government authorities when the Apostle Paul told you in Romans 13 that you must honor them and obey them. You know, you've heard this time and time again. And so when a Christian such as myself, or those of you who are listening, decides that, no, I will not do that, I cannot do that, when you seek a religious exemption, for example, for the vaccine mandates, you're often criticized and confronted. Well, you're not loving your neighbor, and you're not, you're not doing what the Bible tells you to do. You evangelicals, you conservatives claim that you believe the Bible is inerrant. It's the written word of God. It's inspired. It's given to you by God himself. But yet, on this particular issue, you refuse to do what it says. You've heard this. I've heard it over and over again. Well, today I want to talk to you about what Romans 13 actually says. I'm going to read more than just the first verse out of that chapter. I'm going to read the entire paragraph, and I want you to listen to this and I, in the, within the context, excuse me, within the context of what is the Apostle Paul actually saying about governing authorities and who is the governing authority in the United States of America? That's a key question. In other words, if the Bible tells us to submit and honor and respect the governing authorities, those authorities that God has placed over us. If you live in the United States, who is that? Who is the governing authority? Let's take a break, thank our sponsors, and when I get back, I'm going to start with Romans 13, the first paragraph, and then we're going to talk about 
Who is the king in America? I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So this issue continues to haunt me, and it continues to do likewise to you. Um, The reason I'm circling back on it is I don't think I've had a really solid answer on this issue until recently. I've talked about it briefly on this show. I've talked about it in private uh, conversation, debate, Q&A, if you will, with a variety of different people. And as a Christian, as a conservative Christian, as a Bible-believing Christian, somebody who continues to say that the Bible is inerrant, it is without error, I don't have the right to cherry-pick my verses and to be selective in my obedience. If the Bible says it, I should do it. So what is the Bible saying in Romans 13, 1? Now, I'm going to read the entire paragraph to you right now, because context is always king. All right, here we go. Romans 13, 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Well, then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger, who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. Okay, so that's Romans chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Again, the epistle from Paul, St. Paul, his letter to the Church of Rome, and this is chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Now, this is the passage that is used all the time right now, in public debate as to what the Christian's responsibility is in the face of all of these new mandates, these new directives, these new laws, these new requirements that are being placed upon all of the American public. And again, we all know what those laws are. Before COVID, we never would have suspected, nobody would have ever thought that there would be a day in America where you would be required by law to wear a mask over your face in order to go into a restaurant, go into a grocery store, jog in the park, or even go into your local bank. In fact, if you would have worn a mask when you went into the bank, you you probably would have been arrested for doing so. But good is evil and evil is good. Up is down and down is up. And now if you don't wear a mask when you go into your local bank, you're going to be told that you can't do business there because it's the law. It's the law that you have to wear a mask. And it gets even worse when you move beyond the mask into the issue of medications, i.e. this vaccine, quote unquote. 
that you're going to lose your job if you don't take the vaccine, that you're going to be penalized in the public square if you don't take the vaccine. If you don't agree to use a drug and take it into your body, then you will suffer the consequences because the government told you to wear the mask. The government told you to get a vaccine. The government told you to social distance, that you shouldn't be around people, that you shouldn't be within six feet of individuals, that you can't go to your grandma's funeral, that you can't even have your grandma's funeral, that you can't visit your dying mother or father in the hospital, or even your own spouse. These are all edicts that are being issued by the United States government. Some of them, in fairness, are being issued by the bureaucracy or the oligarchy of of the um, big tech, of the corporate elites. But there's this melding and this mixture right now where the government says it, the corporate elites say it, everybody assumes that it is just the law of the land and therefore you must comply. But here's the point. The point is this. Whenever somebody decides to exercise their personal freedoms and say, no, I don't want to wear a mask, or no, I don't want to get the vaccine, or I've got natural immunity and I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not a risk to myself or to you. I, I don't have this disease. I had it once. I now have natural immunity. And history tells us, as well as science tells us, all the facts point toward the fact that natural immunity is the best protection against a virus that we've ever known of. In fact, there are Pfizer scientists and Moderna scientists and every other scientist prior to the last five seconds where political correctness decided to trump scientific debate, every scientist would have told you, every virologist would have told you, every, every immunologist would have told you that natural immunity is the best thing going in terms of protecting you and those around you from the spread of viruses. But somehow that's all changed. And now we've got this whole politically correct discussion where science has been politicized that's probably the worst thing that could ha ever happen to science because when it becomes politicized, people don't know what to believe any longer. So here's the question. The question is this. Is the Christian responsible for just complying with whatever the government says to do? That's an interesting question, isn't it? What is the Christian supposed to do in the face of these mandates, in the face of these requirements? Well, I've got a book in my hand right now, and it's written by Bill Federer, William Federer. And if you don't follow him, you should. He puts out a lot of different books. He's prolific in his writing and his speaking, and he is rock solid. The title of this book is Who is the King in America? Subtitled, And Who are the Counselors to the King? An Overview of 6,000 Years of History and Why America is Unique. Again, by William J. Federer, F-E-D-E-R-E-R. -E -E Again, the title is, Who is the King in America? And Who are the Counselors to the King? Very interesting read. Now, this is, what, what Federer always does is he just cites, he just cites the facts of history. One quote after another quote after another quote. Well, when you're talking about obeying the government, isn't it important to figure out who the government is by definition within that culture and within that country 
that that would seem to be a good starting point, right? So if Americans are supposed to obey the government, and if Christian Americans are obligated to do so because of Romans 13, shouldn't we ask ourselves, who's the government? What is the government? In other words, who's the king in America? Now, Federer starts out by saying this. King is defined in Webster's 1828 dictionary as the chief or sovereign of a nation, a man invested with supreme authority over a nation, tribe, or country, a monarch. Kings are absolute. Now, after defining what a king is, by going back to the 1828 dictionary, Webster's dictionary to be more exact, Federer then does what? Well, he quotes Romans 13.1, the passage that I've already read to you, but he quotes it from the King James Version. So I'm going to do that right now. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God, the powers that are ordained of God. So the King James Version talks of powers, powers that have been installed, um, instituted, by God's sovereign will itself to be over you. And the point of God ordaining or God appointing these powers to be over a population, over a country, over a city, over the citizens, is just sanity, to be quite frankly. God knows that if there is no uh, police, if there is no government, if there is no governing of the human psyche, the human soul, the human libido, that all hell will break loose. And therefore, God institutes governments, powers, to control to control the evil that lurks in every human heart. Does that make sense? So government is important. You just can't have a free-for-all. Those that think anarchy is the solution are nuts. They're crazy. Uh, we would consume ourselves. We literally would live as animals, and it would be very ugly. Radical libertarians who don't think that there's any place for moral law within a free society are dead wrong too, because you have to have some restrictions. You just can't have live and let live. History teaches us that chaos is the result, and that that, that chaos will result in what? The inevitable call for a solution. And what happens in that case is that vacuum is filled with tyranny. It's filled with a despot that comes in to rescue the day and to control the mess. But back to the point. Um, Federer cites a couple other passages, um, uh, translations, I should say, of the same verse. So Romans 13, 1, uh, I read the King James Version. You've heard the ESV Version. Now, here is the New Living Translation. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. That's the New Living Translation. Let's go to the ISV. Every person must be subject to the governing authorities, for no authority exists except by God's permission. The existing authorities have been established by God. Let's go to the Weymouth New Testament. Let every individual be obedient to those who rule over him, for no one is a ruler except by God's permission. And our present rulers have had their rank and power assigned to them by him, capital H, meaning God. So here's the thing, and this is what Bill Federer is asking. 
who is the ultimate government authority in America? Because it's clear in this passage from Romans that whoever that government authority is should be obeyed, right? Because we're told, let every individual be obedient to those who rule over him, for no one is a ruler except by God's permission. And our present rulers have had their rank and power assigned to them by God himself. So if you are a Bible-believing Christian, you're obligated to follow suit and do what Romans 13.1 says. I agree with that. But the question is, who's the ultimate government authority in America? In God's providence, in God's providence, America's founders were allowed to set up a government where who, who is the authority? We, the people. That is very critical. And a good civics lesson would help us greatly at this time because it appears that a lot of good Christian people in America think that we are obligated to bow the knee to our government officials just because they said that's the law of the land. But who is the government? Who's the government authority in America? Federer points it out. By God's grace, by God's providence, by his sovereign will, our founding fathers were, were wise enough and shrewd enough to try something new. And that something new was a government of we, the people. We are the ultimate authority. It, we are the government. There is no king. Joe Biden is not the king. Nancy Pelosi is not the queen. The, Donald Trump wasn't the king. We, the people, are the authority. We are the king in the United States of America. One of the signers of the Constitution... Governor Morris wrote this. This magistrate is not the king. The people are the king. John Jay, the first chief justice of the Supreme Court, said this. The people are the sovereign of this country. Are you getting the point here? Lincoln stated in a debate with Stephen Douglas in the Lincoln-Douglas debates. The people of these United States are the rightful masters of both Congress and the courts. Justice James Wilson, who also signed the Declaration and the Constitution, he said this at the Pennsylvania Ratifying Convention in 1787. Sovereignty resides in who? The people. They have not parted with it. Is there a common theme here? The people are the government. We are. There is no one else. Government by the people, for the people, and of the people. We are the government. Sovereignty resides in the people. We have not parted with it. President Grover Cleveland said this in 1887. The sovereignty of 60 millions of free people, okay, that's the population at the time, is to my mind the working out of the divine right of man to govern himself and a manifestation of God's plan concerning the human race. Now, did you get what President Cleveland just said? The divine right of man to govern himself. Freedom, human freedom, liberty is a divine right. It's given by God. That is the cornerstone of the United States of America. So if you want to talk about the church 
obeying the government authorities, then you have to define what the government is and who those authorities are before you can go any further in applying Romans 13 to this particular conversation. And I have said over and over again through these quotes that I'm getting out of Bill Federer's book, Lincoln said it, the people, Governor Morris said it, the people, John Jay said it, the people, James Wilson said it, the people, President Grover Cleveland said it, the people. Thomas Jefferson wrote to William Johnson in 1823, and he said this, but the chief justice says this, there must be an ultimate arbiter somewhere. True, there must. The ultimate arbiter is who? The people. Nowhere in any of this conversation is there reference to the people bowing the knee to the government. No, the people are the government. They're in charge. James Madison wrote in the Federalist Papers number 46 in 1788, the ultimate authority resides in the people alone. President Andrew Jackson said this to William B. Lewis in a letter that he wrote in 1841. The people are the government, administering it by their agents. They are the government. They are the sovereign power. President James K. Polk said this in 1847. The people are the only sovereigns recognized by our Constitution. The success of our admirable system is a conclusive refutation of the theories of those in other countries who maintain that a favored few are born to rule and that the mass of mankind must be governed by force. Can you get any more clear than this? The government in the United States is you. It is me. Government of the people, by the people, and for the people. President Gerald Ford stated this in, excuse me, 1975. Gerald Ford, 1975, said this. Never forget that in America, our sovereign is the citizen. The state is a servant of the individual. It must never become an anonymous monstrosity that masters everyone. Does that sound like what's going on today? We have ignored the fact that the state is the servant of the individual, not the individual the servant of the state. And this anonymous monstrosity of the state that thinks it can master everyone is not an American system of government. In fact, it's a denial of the very government that our Constitution gives us. President Ronald Reagan said this in 1983, The Founding Fathers understood that only by making government the servant and not the master, only by positing sovereignty in the people and not the state can we hope to protect freedom. General Omar Bradley said this in 1948, In the United States, it is the people who are sovereign. The government is theirs to speak their voice, and to voice their will. And then Donald Trump said this in January of 2017. 
Today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C. and giving it back to you, the American people. So when we start talking about Romans 13 and obeying the government, you have to understand what the government is. If you lived in Greece, the definition would be different. If you lived in Italy, the definition of the government would be different than the United States. And if you're Italian and living in Rome, then you have the obligation of a, as a Christian to obey Romans 13 in the context of the government that God has placed over you. If you live in the Soviet Union, I suppose you have that same, that same obligation. If you live in whatever country, fill in the blank, you decide. But if you live in the United States and you're listening to me right now, and you're confused over whether or not you're obligated to comply with these mandates, these mandates that have not gone through the legislative process, they haven't received any votes from the representatives that you, the people, elected, no, these are just edicts from on high. These are just mandates, laws that have been issued from some potentate, a mayor, a governor, or even the president of the United States or Nancy Pelosi or whoever. But you need to ask yourselves, are they functioning within the boundaries of the Constitution which defines our government? And if the answer is no, then they are not the government. They have no right to tell you what to do. And in fact, they're the ones defying the government, not you. Because in the United States of America, it's the people who are the sovereigns. It's the people who are the king. It's the people who are the government. And there's something else here that you need to remember. The reason we have that structure of government in the United States is because of freedom being our first thing. Obedience is not a first thing for Americans. Bowing to the king and just doing what he tells us to do is not a first thing for Americans. A first thing for Americans, a first thing for our Constitution, the premise upon which our Declaration of Independence was written, was that of freedom. What C.S. Lewis calls in The Great Divorce that I spoke of yesterday, freedom. Freedom. It's the gift whereby you most resemble your maker. C.S. Lewis's quote in The Great Divorce, freedom is the gift whereby you most resemble your maker. It's not something to be trifled with or thrown away. And those who are calling for us to bow the knee to the government as if that government in the United States is the president or the governor or the mayor or some other politician. No, 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 no. That is not the government of the United States of America. The king in the United States is the people. And that's the government you should be honoring. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.